This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. Be the change, said angels, demons. Be the change, said vipers, tigers. Reassemble, rearrange. I long to live as a lion, and so I violently top up my mane. Oh, high king of heaven, my victory won, but I could still taste that soot in my lungs when that chorus was finally sung. And I called you so often, but you never came. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. And his wisdom shouts out into those noisy streets the Proverbs talks about. I'm going to cuss my ears tight in stubborn pretension. How terrible for you who lie awake at night, thinking up evil plans, barrel loaded to your brother. Abel, run for cover if you tilt, I tilt your world in my hands. Take up my life with fraud and violence and serpent, I will meet your demands and, well, bag lady, you know, I heard that you sing and or rumor has it you believed in me and December has finally set me free, so I've forgotten just what it means to a bag lady, you know, I heard that you sing and or rumor has it you believed in me and December has finally set me free, but I've forgotten just what it means to breathe, and as she held baby Jesus so very closely to her bosom, to her soul. Well, I will cling tightly to my demons in the dark and imagine just what it's like to be entirely whole. Oh, singers, did you feel the ground shake beneath you when your mustard seed fell deep in dark soil, and although the ground is once more fertile, I recoil. I recoil, and as his brother's blood begins to boil, and as I pollute God's lips with gin and oil, I have ne'er witnessed such turmoil as when his heart reflected mine, and... Uh, and, oh, on that note, my God died. So be the change. Said mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, I come to you, the porno pauper, with understanding in my open hands and a tired knowledge in my eyes. If this beauty is so sacred, how does it sell so fast? I still remember the first time I died and, oh, so unknowingly gave it a second try. So be the change. Said angels, demons, reassemble, rearrange, I long to live as a lion, and so I study him studying me, violently tough up my mane. I'm Dave Hawkins. The Antidote is going to dig a little bit deeper tonight with a look at the art of Levi the poet. I'm going to let Levi tell us whether spoken word could be considered music or what it is during our talk with him tonight. One thing for sure, Levi the Poet has an awful lot of talent. Levi's also been busy touring his new album, Correspondence of Fiction. And here comes a track from that album, Chapter 5, Tuxedo Black. Then we'll head into our talk with Levi McAllister.
love. While you were weighing anchor, I was weighing my options, thinking why, like knowing would satisfy. But if love is true, then the tide will carry mine to you know I'd drown in the undercurrent before I let myself lose our happy ending. It's the future I miss the most. Seventeen years from now, I want to be younger and as carefree as I can be. I want you next to me and I want you to reflect all of the best of me. I want the fairy tale, parenthetical port swing, metaphorically morphing our distorted upbringing into enough of a string to hang by to believe it can be redeemed. I was a man before I got the chance to be a boy. Mother said she wanted neither. Father said I was his joy. He kept on saying things like, enjoy your youth while you can. But when the cancer started taking its toll, the roles reversed, and I cannot fathom what it is like to be eaten alive. Said he had ants beneath his skin, but even then, he'd tell it in a bedtime story. Son, there are colonies of Englishmen with marching orders to see to it that the Indians become just like them. Dressed up in distinguished garb to cover up their colors and civilize them. Well, he said, in a similar sense, I've got tuxedo black blood cells clothing those that bleed red. If you can laugh along with me, the irony is that I'll be better dressed than I've ever been when I lie to rest here in bed. And you wondered why that Indian fort was the one left standing. I made sure the natives won every time we play that game. Man, I had mud clods filled with rocks that I'd launch at the backs of those backstabbers, but admittedly, as you can imagine, it was a short-lived fame, with all my neighborhood friends bleeding from their heads and everything. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who tells you different is selling something. That's not true. The Dread Pirate Roberts may have been awesome, but that kind of theology is a hell of a downer to subscribe to. I know there's beauty out there. I'm sure you can see it on the ocean, even if the crew has started to look as white as that whale they're chasing. I've been reading through Moby Dick, 700 pages of old English and rhetoric, and I can't really understand all of it, but Captain Ahab's looking pretty pale. Be careful, I've been building our treehouse. I hid it far enough away so that when we run, we can stay, and I wrote out the location like a secret on a treasure map. However long your voyage, You'll have a place to call home when you come back. The ladder was nailed to the trunk and I started hammering the foundation to be sure that we have something to build our future on. How I long for the day that I get to see your face, my strength, my hope, my song. Levi, thanks for joining The Antidote. Yeah, thanks for having me. You come from the land of enchantment. It sounds like it's some fantasy story, so you got to explain what that's all about. Yeah, it does sound like a fantasy story. Um, It's funny, we just talked about it yesterday. We we always joke about it and call it the land of entrapment uh, because (laughs) everybody always gets stuck here or comes back here or moves away and uh, you know, it's like a gravitational pull on some weird thing about New Mexico that pulls people back. 
Um, I honestly, I should know more about where the land of enchantment comes from. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty here. It's pretty in a different kind of a way. You're in uh, Ontario, yeah? That's right. Yeah, it was funny. My sister-in-law was out on the on the East Coast uh, just last week, and everybody was apologizing to her for how ugly it was. And she was like, ugly? We don't even have anything green in New Mexico. This isn't ugly. So uh, it's a different kind of pretty, but I guess it's enchanting. Uh, the mountains outside of Albuquerque are gorgeous and pink whenever the sun sets. And, um, and we have Breaking Bad, which people said was a pretty enchanting show. So there's that anyway. I'm not sure if I would refer to Breaking Bad as enchanting. Well, I mean, every, but not enchanting. Okay, okay. Yeah, I feel that. It's not a fairy tale, that's for sure. But everybody was glued to it, so if that's some sort of enchantment, I guess. You know, when I first heard you, Levi the Poet, I got to admit that I just didn't get what you were doing. Have you heard that before? People not understanding why you perform spoken word? I have, yeah. Um, I, I sometimes agree with them. I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of, of booking this tour right now that I'm getting ready to do on the East Coast. And it's funny, uh, whenever you have to come to somebody and they say, what do you do? And you say poetry. Um, those, those are the times that I most wonder why in the world am I doing poetry? <laughs> Who wants to book that? Um, but yeah, I have been asked that a decent amount of times. I, you know, I guess kind of the silly answer is because I never knew how to play music, but um, really <laughs> liked to yell. And so that's kind of what the poetry was in the beginning. But, you know, the the true answer is um, fascinated by words, have been writing for a really long time, um, have respected and admired other poets and spoken word artists that I've been influenced by and gotten to see over the years and um, thought I would I would try my hand at it, I guess, uh, when I got out of high school. Kind of been doing it since then. While the floor creaks, crushing worms that crawled out of his boots beneath the weight of such a scolding, that wormwood killed the crew, embittered them against the ship captain's last discipline out of love for you. My crewmen and my brothers and my friends and my son, 
All sank beneath the current Pulled by the gravity of what I'd done And the moon and the seas Reflect the image of the one That left me without excuse Once the end had come Oh captain, my maker, I've got nothing to say Would that I've praised with nature Your invisible name But I bit off my fingers And left myself maimed With a hook that's replaced Years of pointed blame It's too late, is it too late To calm the waves And would you turn your face away To drive me to grace I'm drowning awake Walk the plank in my place Walk the plank, walk the plank With my last words I say Praise be the maker of my fate For the suffering he ordains With this style, I always have a tough time if I should be considering spoken word as music, performance, or reciting poetry. Sure. Is there a box that you would put it into? Uh, we, I joke about it all the time. My roommate, actually, my wife and I, we live in a house and we have a roommate that lives with us. And he was laughing the other day asking me what I tell people when they ask me what I do and how awkward that is or isn't. And we're just laughing and the other the other day I got mixed up over my words because sometimes I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go play a show. Sometimes I'm going to go perform at an event. But somebody asked me the other day and I just said, I play poetry. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? But I didn't really do a whole lot to offer any explanation <laughs> above and beyond it. So I just kind of landed with it there and he said that that was perfect. I mean, I, generally I say I'm a performance artist or spoken word artist and, and that probably makes more sense to people when you say you're going to perform. Um, but I do a lot of it within a band setting, so they all play. So I guess it just depends upon the context. You've played with some hardcore bands in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first tour I did was with a band named In the Midst of Lions. They were a face-down records band. They were the first band that took me on tour, and that was in 2009. And I toured on and off with them for quite a while, as well as other bands that w- were in that same same genre, which was really cool. It was fun. It was unique. It was what I was into at the time. And, and it was, uh, honestly, it was just a, a blessing. I don't think any of this probably would have started unless some of those bands had kind of believed in what I was doing and let me come out on the road with them. So Levi the Poet doesn't primarily exist probably within the, that hardcore scene as as much anymore. I think some of my just style as a, as an artist has changed and and different things like that, but still pretty closely connected with a lot of people in that scene and and still love that scene. Do you think that there's a closer connection with your audience that you personally are having compared to say if you were doing just a typical type of music? I mean, I, I haven't experienced being an artist within you know, quote unquote, typical type of music. I I do think that there is a connectedness between the topics and content that I write about and what people are able to relate to. The first three albums that I put out were very autobiographical, um, kind of a no holds barred transparency modeled in them and talking about struggle and talking about 
you know, just things that I've gone through or friends have gone through. And, and I, so I do think that there's a, a relatability there that a lot of people have expressed, um, you know, that being one of the main things that they've enjoyed and been thankful for. Like, thank you for, for writing about this stuff. Thank you for putting words to something that I don't feel like I could have ever voiced. In the beginning, God spoke. And God, I hope his voice sounded like thunder. Like that's where it got its name from. Like it reverberated inside of the sun's eardrums, I wonder. Did the father turn to the pre-incarnate word to ask him about the sound he heard? And did he smile and contemplate the earth while the spirit confirmed their plans? And God said, let there be. And God did that unparalleled melody sustain into all eternity while the blessed trinity joined in harmony to key in a void and formless land. Is the expanse between earth and sky as deep and wide as the difference between dark and light? And did you stare at the stars like I stare at your night? And how bright do they shine from outside of time? And if there is no need for the suns in your kingdom, well, did you need them? See, I cannot fathom the winds and the waves, let alone the waves the winds make on that day that you say it is good. And no depraved gaze, praise, and your spirit's conversation with the creation you made, I can hardly see it. Even my imagination wanes beneath the death that deteriorated my faith, but before a glass darkly behind Eden's gates, man. Man walked hand in hand with his God, face to face, Imago Day. Let us make man in our image, dust into clay, bestowing dignity to humanity, the potter crafted and shaped, and when you breathe life into him, was it a whirlwind? As in the beginning, God spoke, and the heavens were made, and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. And the details are speculation, but I picture your creation of man as glory that that heavenly host sung about. His chest rises and falls beneath this cosmic anticipation, waiting to see him open his eyes for the first time. His eyes open and close, and if there was an expectation, it was exceeded and pupils finally dilated to find God. God holding out his hand in a posture that hasn't changed just like his plan hasn't changed since day one. And I like to think that they dance to the glory of his name three in one as the breath in man's lungs. Perfect. God put him to work and work. And if only work were the work of a fall. A cultivator in the vein of his creator tended to the garden, invited to enjoy it all, save one thing. And that's freedom, man. Unparalleled pleasure, sustained within boundaries. Just do not go near that tree. Its fruit is divisive. Its knowledge unseen, but not something that you what you need, and what you need is a helper, and here a twist of irony, the man is no good without his ease.
While sleep deeply, deep sleeping, he fashioned what Adam never found among the beasts and awoke from his peace and apologetic for poetry. The first words spoken were spoken words. At last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, one woman, one man, naked and unashamed to consummate the one plan that God had for his people. We call that equal. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And I'll bet that it was frightening. That angel of light ending up the sky like he could shine as bright as the sun. Did God really say? And he still begins everything that he does by questioning the authority of the word of the one who will not succumb to his schemes. The same cannot be said for Eve, the firstborn of the living and of the dead offspring that labor beneath the curse that drips from good and evil's leaves, you will not die. And God knows that it's true. God doesn't want the truth to be made known to you. And as it delighted her eyes, she took of the fruit. Her husband stood by almost as if to assume that the fault wouldn't fall to the man in the room if he used his bride to hide his cowardice before he took a bite too. Evening, come king's wind calling, where are you? And I wonder what their friend felt like, like his heart had been broken in two. Like from the overflow of his soul, he crafted these people that were known and sought to dethrone their lover's rule. Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat of that forbidden fruit? And the enemy still distorts obedience for constriction as opposed to opportunity to worship you? Well, I guess he lives up to his name. Serpent, slithering, fame thief, fang, sucking blood from my veins while life and death hang in the balance. And we labor beneath the weight of Satan, sin, death, flesh, and its effects is justly sentenced to us on that day. What of man? God said, let there be enmity. And God did that devastating melody leave any hope for me while the broken-hearted trinity joined in harmony to agree to go forth with your plans. Is the expanse between earth and sky is deep and wide is the separation between you and I. And do you long for my heart like I long for your eyes to shine and fill the universe the void that's in mine. And if you do still long to call sons to your kingdom, or will you free them? In the beginning, God spoke and the heavens were made. Like I cannot fathom the height nor the depth, let alone the scope or breadth of your love on the day that you wept and sent humanity from your presence, watching as they went and we continue to walk away as though we owe no debt, I can see it. In the beginning, God spoke, so is there no hope left? Do we all lay down and die the way we made our beds? In the beginning, God spoke. So is there no hope left for the devil? You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Yeah, it's something I noticed when I first started listening to your work, you know, a couple of years ago. You really are inclined to share the bumps and bruises in your faith. Do you find it important to do that? 
Yeah, I do. You know, even last night I was thinking about why I like and appreciate and respect sort of a rawness in in the artists and in the people that I follow and that I enjoy. And I think one of the main reasons I like it is because people can paint whatever picture of themselves that they want to paint through Facebook updates, through social media. You can put out the best parts of you and then it becomes this constant weird game where everybody else is looking on it becomes a comparison thing. It becomes, I, I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of pressure to live up to some sort of weird thing that I don't really know. I don't really think all of us are as great as we all want the rest of us to think that we are. And, and I think, and I've not that, I mean, not that we're not valuable. I believe we're inherently valuable. I just think that like not everybody has it together as much as we would like for everyone else to think that we do. And I think that being, vulnerable and being transparent about even the hard things um, shows others that they're not alone in it in a world that doesn't want to reveal those things. It shows others that, um, you know, that there are other people that are struggling. And it, it brings me back to reality when I hear somebody talking about his or her struggle and I'm able to say, oh, well, man, thank God I'm not the only one in the middle of this. I appreciate that, even if it's difficult it perhaps keeps people from maybe getting as big of a head as they could potentially get about themselves. I guess the flip side of it is you could get a big head about trying to not have a big head and then you just <laughs> need to look in the mirror and just look at your exploding head and just calm down. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> My head's not exploding. It's going the other way. I'm, I'm losing hair at a fast and furious rate. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Thanks for being honest. You know, there are other listeners that will appreciate it. But do you think that honesty is more prevalent in people like yourself, people that are on stage performing, singing songs, doing spoken word? I don't see that much honesty anywhere else. Yeah, I, I think that the genre lends itself to kind of a brutality that people applaud in poetic form. Um I mean, the flip side or the caution, I guess, you could probably overdo it too. You know, you could probably flower things up. You can probably try too hard to be somebody that you're not, you know, in the opposite direction. I, I think that's an interesting thought. I think that people have different ways of pouring out honest thoughts, and sometimes they're much more straightforward, and a lot of times that's the way that it looks within uh, a spoken word or, or, or poetry community. But there's probably something to that. Well, you can build a firm foundation on everything you own, but those hands cannot claim their craftsmanship without the builder of their bones. Behind every builder is a builder built out of mortar and stone, and that dust can construct a house that creaks and groans, but he cannot make it a home. Well, I've been searching for a plot of land to put my hand to the plow. I got a lot of friends out there that say it's all about the South. Well, Georgia was gorgeous until I hit Oregon, so I don't know about that now, but I've been searching for answers to questions that I've yet to be answered, or maybe they're just yet to be found. But I got a new found friend in North Carolina. I sat on her back porch for a week and a half and smoked cigarettes with her mom. She stared down at that cancer stick in her mouth as she packed her next round, said, it helps me think better. Well, ma'am, my problem is that I think too much and all of this chain smoking leads to chains of thought that I can't turn off. Now, how can you help me with that?
But I'm finally getting to quitting smoking cigarettes. Two years after the two packs of 27s that I talked about two years ago in my poems. But there are rolling hills just south of San Francisco where the 580 intersects with the aqueduct. And my last match could set that fire ablaze and leave the valley looking like my lungs. And I'd watch it burn. Watch it light up the sky. Burn! Watch it burn like the fire that you said you saw in my eyes. It burns for you. I met a man who said he knew that passion too, but he's got coals in his eyes where the light burned out. He's scared that he's the one who doused it. It's something he's always thinking about. You can see it in his countenance. You can see it in his doubt. You can see it in the way that he tries to let the pressure out. He shouts when it comes time for you to settle down. Be sure that she's the one. Cause I got a wife and a house my kids call their home, but they don't know what we've become. And he smiles and it looks like sadness. Says that he's still loves the Lord, but he's wondering where the time goes and if the Lord loves him anymore. Just down the street from that apartment building is a house that weeps for him. We friends that called it a home and invited everybody in singing solace. We are a broken family. But at least we all know that we're not alone singing. At least we can sing with sincerity. Solace. We are an honest home! Singing out of the dust we came, come weather temporary houses that creak and groan. She steps out the front door and puts away her keys, makes her way past the gargoyles, guarding her porch from the street. She's got her rain boots on! She saves them for days like these, sings, I hate this rainy weather. She laughs and she thinks of me. She's got her rain boots on! Polka dotted pink against the leaves, sets her thoughts to thoughts of God and friendship and family. Jesus, I drove to Joplin, Missouri with mourning in my bones and we are all decomposing houses. But I think that you make us a home. I am an accumulation of sticks and stones and words and as it were I'm prone to wander. Lord I know I'm prone to wander off on my own. Well I've been searching for a plot of land to plant my seed and grow. The great mystery of all the places I've been you're the only peace I've ever known. So be it ever so humble. There's no place like home but home is not where the heart is. Your heart is a home and where you go I will follow. Where you go I will follow. So we are a broken family, but at least we all know that we're not alone singing. At least we can sing with sincerity, solace. We are an honest home, singing out of the dust we came. Come weathered temporary houses that creak and groan. We are not afraid of the darkness. There are cracks in every house. It's not houses we're worried about! We are not afraid of the darkness! There are imperfections in our home! Shadows in our souls! And still, we are not afraid of the dark! There is no place for the lampshade that covered up my heart! We are not afraid of the dark! Matchless flames with matches made out of one single spark! We are not afraid of the dark! I know with, you know, songs are so often just more music-based and lyrics tend to be secondary, but it really is the opposite with spoken word. You're really trying to tell a story. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that. I like that. And I guess that's what I was saying in the beginning is that even bands and, and musicians and, and artists that I followed, I just found myself always gravitating towards people that, that did that with their lyrics and their music and told the story, you know, something that I, I at least have tried to explore a little bit more along with some friends in Albuquerque that are amazing musicians is I've always told a story through words. How can we do that through music? Because I do think that that's possible, but I have also never been a person who's understood it. My wife, she's the opposite of me. So she's like, I never listen to the words. And I always hear people say that. I mean, I'm sure I told my parents that when I was younger so I could listen to music that I knew I wasn't, you know, wouldn't have otherwise been allowed to listen to. But it was a lie, you know, like when people tell the truth and they say, I don't listen to the lyrics. And I have friends that do that and I believe them. I just still don't understand it. <laughs> it always, that's always, you know, it's the lyrics that will make or break something for me. If you have great music without great words, it just is, it's kind of ruined for me. And maybe that's pretentious. I, I hope that it's not. I think it's just like my inclination as a writer to focus on and pay attention to that. Um, but I definitely love the art of being able to tell stories. And I think that one thing that's fascinating about spoken word and poets is that that words can be powerful and exist in and of themselves in a way that evokes emotion and meaning and does something for people that enjoy that type of art in the same way that music does something for, for others. And they're not mutually exclusive. I just think it's interesting that they can both work so powerfully uh, together and uh, separate from one another. Hey, this is Levi the Poet. You're listening to The Antidote on Trent Radio. It's times like these that I used to be a lot closer to God. I got friends that don't know him at all. And when I miss him, it's a shame that they don't know what they're missing. This'll destroy you is my writing music And their progression makes me feel like I'm progressing through or past All of the empty inspiration and into something that might last Like letters to lovers could transcend their pages And cut deep into the heart of the receiver Well, I read a love letter labeled Emotion Signed with hate, love, the deceiver And frankly, I couldn't love him more Well, I don't know what's in store for us But I know that not every glorious answer to prayer is from God And some of those voices are not not him speaking at all, but it's so simple to convince yourself that it's the spirit talking to you. Like, like each convenience, convenience is a virtual. virtual. Like practice makes perfect! Then I'm gonna pretend my way into feeling until I finally love my neighbor. But son, you're not writing out a single thing that's actually close to your heart, and I know the music tugs at its strings, but it hasn't pulled it apart, and you've been writing for everyone else for so long that you don't know who you are, as I swear the only way you find yourself nowadays is in these pages, I mean... In those days was in those pages. Well, I have not written for days and 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 days. There's a time for everything that's under the sun, and this one has run its course. I sworn up and down that there was more to pour out, but it's all forced, and I don't know anymore. That sadness became my comfort, and maintaining it became my chore. Well, there's a time to weep, and there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to laugh and it is fighting for its place in a time of war. There are still monsters in my closets, Father. 
and I can feel the shadow people hiding in the hallways. Are they ever going to stop sneaking up behind me? And is anyone else my age still afraid of a black night? And do you run in the dark in a panic for the light? Well, it's the sunken, disappointing, creeping through my stomach in the morning, rise and follow lungs on the verge of collapse, keeping me from talking to God. It's the sunken, swollen eyelids making love to all things permissible, but proven hardly profitable at all. It's the walls thick as paper, I mean. Thin as paper, I mean. Thicker, thin as paper, as thick or thin as a plant pajama bottoms, patiently passing as a passive activist for abstinence in between thick skin. It's the walls, fragile as paper, that I can't feel you through. It's all vanity and vapor that I cater to my emotions because I am the most important person in my universe. Interlocking fingers with both God and Satan so that after I made love to the devil I can stay on my knees and start praying. There's a time for everything that's stuck under the sun, but you've been stuck in one for years now, and it's time to move on if I've truly found a new beginning. And why am I so hell-bent on living in the past? There is a difference between what you know and what you practice, and I've had to practice purging my practices, as I know I've heard promises of a life that gets past this. What I want to do, I don't, and what I don't, I do. And I've been practicing depravity rather than knowing you. God, if your mercies are new every morning, then all of this can't be grasping after the wind. I've, I've seen, seen vanity reach out its sweet hands to me, and I've built my firm footing on its fragile whims. Now there's a time to keep and a time to heal, and I am numb cuddling with these werewolves, and I know that there has got to be a time to feel, and the time has long passed to cast away these stones. I'm still broken, but I know that you can rebuild these bones. I keep looking back before I go forward. I just want to set my sights on home. I've got no plan B. I'm just running for home. I'm still dragging, but I just want to make it home. We're going to go back to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier. You were talking about the transparency, how you can be transparent on stage. You also share so much of your own personal life. Yeah. I want you to talk about a song that you did a few years ago from To Speak of Wolves. Yep. Yeah, I do share a lot about my personal life. And I guess that's what I meant about transparency, too. I wanted this project to be something that people could look at and say, wow, that's, that's something that he's really going through, and that's something that is hard. And, and I can even relate to that. Or maybe I can't, but maybe I respect it or whatever. And I understand that once you start you know, calling things real or whatever that is a number one no-no for you know detracting from your actual authenticity or whatever but I wanted it to be something that I felt free to write about um, basically an autobiography with the To Speak of Wolves track Rearview Memories my sister and I and the vocalist for the band To Speak of Wolves we collaborated on that track and it was about my my dad who who had committed suicide the year prior to, to us writing and releasing that. Uh, and it was hard. I mean, I had written some about it already in a record called Seasons. There were tracks that alluded to suffering in my family in the record prior to Seasons called Monologues, because my dad did commit suicide in, in 2011. And then the, the Rearview Memories track with To Speak of Wolves came out shortly thereafter. And it was just something that our friend asked us if we would want to write about. We were kind of unsure of it, talked through it together, talked through it with my mom. It ended up being this thing that, although very painful, I perceived as something that, that was being 
redeemed in, in our opportunity to be able to talk about that pain and to be able to talk about that loss on a fairly large platform where it would hopefully be helpful and beneficial to other people who had struggled with the same thing as well. You know, I don't ever want to go in the direction of making something as painful and personal as that, something that's like commercialized, like let's commodify it. But if we have an opportunity to be able to be helpful to other people that are struggling with the same type of thing or have gone through the same type of loss, it's a great opportunity to be able to um, to relate, whether from near or far. I mean, there's all kinds of people that have written my sister and I and the band since we did that track saying thank you so much. And I, I probably never expected for any of that to happen, but by the grace of God, it was something that was, that was helpful for them. And I'm thankful for that, even though it was painful for us. God, I know you hear us when we cry. God, I know you're always here to listen, even as we said goodbye. But God, I didn't say goodbye, at least not the way I wanted to. My heart torn out, twisted up, heavy, tired, but I wanted to tell him goodbye. But God... Not the way some people do. This isn't goodbye. If I could just see through, I know he's there with you. And now, here's my question. God, could you tell him that I love him? Could you tell him that I miss him? Would you tell him my confession? Tell him I'm sorry I didn't understand his depression. That I allowed so much aggression to build up. Would you tell him how badly I wish I took the time to tell him myself? Precious child, don't you know you're the apple of his eye? Yes, God, he told me that, but I never really listened. Dear girl, don't you know he's never blamed you? He knew you tried. But God, I didn't try. I should have tried, but I let myself grow bitter, and it only led to division. My daughter, don't you know you're forgiven? God, could you tell him that I love him? Could you tell him that I miss him? Would you give him my confession? Tell him I'm sorry I didn't understand his depression. That I allowed so much aggression to build up inside. Pretty, pretty princess, don't you know you are the apple of my eye? Yes, daddy, you told me that, but I never really listened. Sweetie, don't you know I never blamed you? I knew you tried. But dad, I didn't try. I should have tried, but I let myself grow bitter. And it only led to our division. Thank you.
confident that you sowed seed in good soil and your legacy will watch the fruit grow. When I touch your skin, I can't help but remember the way you affirmed my mother. So be confident that we loved you with equal affection, even though you never believed it was true. I've got heaven and hell on my mind all of the time. I got questions I never had before. I want to know where it is, where you are. And when you talk to God, do you sit at his table and tell him stories about the day I was born? And does he laugh with you like it's all a surprise to him? I got a couple of nephews now. Preston just had his firstborn. I pictured you holding me when I watched him hold his daughter. The shocked stare in his eyes swept over me like ocean waves. And I knew that there was a kind of love that still exists completely foreign to me. I can't stop thinking about it. So when you tiptoed out of the house before that quiet dawn, was it the love of a man that knew a woman and held his children at birth that turned the ignition? That kept your ears from the rear view as you drove away from the house you made? Greater love knows none than this. seeing Preston's kid, I don't even know if I think it was selfish at all, or maybe you'll correct my theology when we laugh with God together. I'm gonna think of you when I hold my son. I'll do my best to watch over your wife and your daughter, and in the end, I'm glad that your dad got to clean up your arms and wipe your tears away. Well, how about we switch on to a little bit lighter topic? Sure, that's fine. You've got a new release, Correspondence of Fiction. Yeah. It's a change from your past releases. I mean, there's almost no shouting. (laughs) Yes. You're not getting mellower, are you? (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I still really feel like shouting, but with Correspondence, I wanted to treat it more as though it were a book that I was reading and could tell a kid at story time or tell an adult at a show uh, within the context of this fictitious world that I tried to create. So it's different in a lot of ways. It's different stylistically because I don't yell as much. And that felt good, honestly. 
Uh, and it's different because it's not another autobiographical album. It's a fiction story that um, I was inspired to write, and it was a lot of fun, probably the most fun I've ever had writing anything. Because that was the thing I was curious about. I was trying to figure out, okay, is this a themed album, or are you just trying to present an ongoing story? I think a little bit of both. Uh, I had an idea, man, probably two summers ago, that it would be neat to to write a fiction album about a boy and a girl that are in love in some sort of 1700s nautical world. The girl is at sea and the boy is building a treehouse for her. And they're writing letters back and forth, hence the correspondence title, and sending them through bottles on the sea. And I just wanted to write this sort of mythological children's narrative, but something that encompassed themes that probably are far beyond the age of the children and the actual story. Uh, I think that I am in the story. I think that there are some things that I brought in from real life, but for the most part, I just wanted to explore what it would be like to write fiction inspired by guys like Tolkien and Lewis. And I've definitely written things that have been specifically Christian, probably specifically for Christian audiences. And I liked the idea of being able to do something that was a, a little bit more widely accessible and palatable to just people that enjoyed story. So hopefully correspondence is that, but that was the goal. My love, when we first set sail and pushed off to sea, I stood at the bow looking backward, dry-eyed and imagining that the world and all its color and grandeur and majesty had been devastated by that same flood I'd seen when I told you that my father was making me leave. It was a midsummer night's eve. And in my heart, it was a romance, the same Shakespearean tragedy, that quintessential teenage flickering that let love burn brighter in the reminiscent memories as we slowly fell asleep, cuddling beneath the stars that I wished upon through the cutout at the top of the teepee. It doubled by day as an Indian fort, with girls have cooties stitched across the seams, and at night, our secret love affair that the cowboys would have deemed a crime punishable by cat gun and sour faces and wild, wild west make-believe. Old enough to comprehend but young enough to dream. I can still hear the rhythm of your breathing beneath that canopy while the wind played brush on the snare and God threw his bolts of lightning like the thunderclap clave to complement the whistling moving through the trees. And remembered you promising that when we grew up, you'd build a home for me. Now to start growing, and you'd curl up your fake mustache like your favorite character in your favorite movie, whisper, I'll be your huckleberry. And in the morning, when I snuck back to my room, I thought, tragedy indeed, the innocence, if ever it was, can be stripped away without a warning, my king. By grace or by fate, by luck or by mercy, I trust the moon will carry your letters safely to me. This flood rescinding will give way to land depending, and like the hand of God gave olive leaves to encourage that ancient family. My dove, with love and sincerity and all that I have to offer, your queen. Chapter 1, When Hearts Are Large, from Levi the Poets. Absolutely awesome new album, Correspondence of Fiction. This has been The Antidote on Trent Radio 92.7 FM. 
And the antidote is off air next week because Trent Radio is setting up the new programming schedule for the summer season. So we're going to see you again in two weeks' time. And at that point, we're going to meet with The Soil and the Sun on April 29th, and you're going to discover why the band calls their music experiential, spiritual, folk rock, new Mexican space music, and why it's so great. Well, the complete interview with Levi the Poet is up on the Antidote website, but here's our last portion for tonight, and the closer from Correspondence of Fiction, Chapter 12, Shores and the New World. We'll see you again in two weeks' time. It's an interesting album, too, Correspondence, because it's got that musical background that you've added with Glowhouse. Yeah, he's great, man. That That's my roommate that I'm talking about, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, he just recently moved in. It's cool having him around. I've known him for a really long time, and I think that he's amazing at what he does. The music for Correspondence is just some of the prettiest music that I have heard in a really long time. It's not my music, so I feel like I can say that without it being uh, too self-aggrandizing or whatever. It was such a, a new experience, I think, for the both of us to write a Levi the Poet album that had music all the way throughout. Because he helped write stuff for seasons, too. Him and my wife did. Um, but Correspondence was just a whole different monster. And I came to him with all the lyrics, and I said, write what these words make you feel like. And that was about the, all of the direction that I gave him. And the music for Correspondence is what came out, and I, I love it. How do people find your music online? Uh, LeviThePoet.net is the probably the easiest way. Everything is just Levi the Poet across the board. Twitter and iTunes and Facebook and website and Bandcamp and you know, anything and everything that, that you can find that way. So that's the easiest. Well, here's a personal question for you, Levi. Yes, sir. Even though we've been personal all the way through this. <laughs> yeah. But are you going to be one of those guys who when you turn 50 everyone's going to hate you because you still look like you're 25? <laughs> oh, man, maybe. I'm 25 right now, and I still can't grow a, a proper beard or fill in my cheeks with the right amount of facial hair to, to make it worthwhile. So we'll see. I've got a baby face if anybody does, so I don't know. My dad had such a solid beard. That's all I want. You know, I just, what the heck, Dad? I just want your beard, but I can't make it happen. It's probably for the better. My wife doesn't like it anyway, so... <laughs> It's all right. Keep her happy. You always got to keep your wife happy. That's true. In this case, though, it's God keeping her happy by not giving me my facial hair, though, because if I had it, I would grow it out anyway. uh, I'd probably have to go on a tour by myself or something to make it happen, but uh, we'll see. The Antidote's been here with Levi the Poet. Levi, thanks a lot for coming on The Antidote. Man, I've really appreciated your, you know, straightforward conversation. Yeah, Dave, thanks for taking the time to to have me on. It means a lot, sincerely. Hopefully I can make it up to Ontario sometime soon. That'd be a great one.
listening. We always talked about taking that voyage together. We didn't want to die in our sleep like so many people wish for. At least she didn't. She thought it sounded boring. And even though dying scared me, I wanted to be brave enough to engage in the fantasy. We decided we'd go out defending our treehouse against the separatists. It was inevitable once they'd finally discovered us kissing traitorously beneath their cootie-infested boys-only headquarters. We'd be cap-gunned to death. She thought it was romantic, like Romeo and Juliet, she'd say. And I'd say okay, but wonder like I always do if anyone's actually heard that story. I finished our treehouse with the few scraps of dead wood that I was able to drag back to land. It seemed fitting after our whole lives were broken homes for all of those shipwrecked pieces to complete one. It's beautiful. I feel like she might have called it redemption. For a split second, as I watched the last of her craft fall beneath the surface of the water, I thought that we are all only stones in the ocean and maybe it didn't matter that much whether we lived or died, but she was right about taking thoughts captive. I am lonely. And I can't reconcile loneliness with meaninglessness because like beauty, it leaves me wanting for more. She is still a decision that floats out like debris on ripples that began at her stone's throw. You were a mountain to me. Your earthquake leaves me trembling and I long beyond your beauty, past your breaking and out into whoever is responsible for your new beginning. Maybe he knows the end. When you first set sail and pushed off to sea, I stood on the shore looking forward, tongue-tied and stubbornly, holding tears behind my eyelids, cause no matter how much I liked you, girl, there was still a bit of boy in me, and I wasn't about to weep with you staring back, smiling. I guess this is goodbye. I knocked on every inch of this wooden tree house to keep that word away, but goodbye, despite all of my efforts, remains. This is the last of our bottles. If it ever makes its way out to the new world, know that it was unending love that fueled the moon's magnetic pull to pursue you through the death that threatened to conquer it. And it is beautiful. It cannot fail. It cannot fail. It cannot fail! Definitely. Infinitely. Intimately. Your king. <laughs>